Okay, so we'll just give a quick summary of everything we've done so far. So chapter one opened with the question of what does it mean to be B'Tselem Elohim in the image of God? Chapter two focused on the word Elohim specifically means that which is the master of all forces. And the word Elohim as a secular word just means things with power or force. So it's the name of Hashem as all things that power and force connected to its source, that's God. Third chapter says, so in that same sense, in a certain sense, being the image of God means also influencing absolutely everything in creation. Being, if you like, the next most powerful thing in the whole of creation. And he spoke about the fact that somehow the way that creation operates is mirrored and parallel to the actions that we do down here. In the fourth chapter, he said, therefore, everybody should never say to themselves, right, what do my actions do? A Jew should never say what our mitzvahs do or averas do. They can change the whole of the workings of everything. And he said, for example, Titus could only destroy a physical temple, physical base of Mikdush and Nebuchadnezzar, but it was already destroyed by our actions, right? So now in the footnote, he puts in the following. We're in the footnote towards the end of the fourth chapter. Have you got it? Has everyone got where we're up to? The actual Bote Mikdash. Remember we said that your heart should be... Yeah, you got, you got the place? It's number 12 on Safari. You're following online, yeah? So the Mikdash and Mishkan, these things are... He's now going to give us a depth as to what they are. We've hinted at the idea that what goes on in your heart in davening, in praying, is, is connected to the Holy of Holies, to the Kodesh HaKadosh. The Mishkan, Mikdash, they connected within them. They became a nexus or nerve point for everything, for all the upper worlds. And remember, we discussed this notion of worlds, that reality exists on multiple planes. All of them are integrated into the physical house of Hashem, the Beis HaMikdash or Mishkan. All the structures of holiness, going all the way up to the highest point. These words literally mean it's like it's inner chambers and upper rooms. Everything. All like a map of the inner world. So every sub-room um, within the basement, which is actually recording. I'm not sure if I tell if it's recording. It does say REC, so hopefully it is recording. Okay. Checking, checking, we're recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the the physical building of the Beis Hamikdash was a map, right? A physical set of relationships of rooms, chambers, etc. It's actually a map of the dynamics of the spiritual worlds. If you ever see, there's a siddur of the siddur of Yaakov Emden. I don't know how much he wrote, how much was added others, but it, it takes you through each part of davening, whereabouts you are now walking around in the spiritual world, parallel to parts of the base of Mikdash. So the, the base of Mikdash was built to reflect the spiritual parallel. Yeah, yeah. Now, each base of Mikdash was slightly different, but there's a fundamental structure to all of them. That fundamental structure is the worlds, and then the more later ones got more and more detail, presumably is that more and more of the what micro. Is the concept of like imagery? And like the length, like architecture, something which enables us as humans to understand concepts, whereas Hashem doesn't need that. Hashem doesn't need architecture. We think in space-time, so we translate those spiritual structures mm. into a physical representative form. But it's more than representative because the 
So rooms presumably then literally contain the holiness to what they're parallel to. Yeah. Let's keep going to what he says. And Kol Kleokaj, every single vessel in, in, the, in the whole temple. Kulam Hayyabadugmalyona are all representatives of the above. Tselem, Dumus, Tavnis. These are three different words for the image and structure. Now, the Lama Sakadoshim with the holy worlds. The Sidre Perikam Merkava, and also the structures of the chapters or sections of the Merkava. The Merkava means literally the chariot, but it means the vehicle of God's revelation. It refers to the vision of Yechazkel, of Ezekiel Yechazkel, when he has a vision of the world going up and up and up and up, all the way to what's called the throne of God. And maybe even beyond that, actually. They were founded, see, when King Solomon built the Beis HaMikdash, already the plans had been put in place. David himself, King David, couldn't build the Beis HaMikdash, right? But he'd done the plans. He had it all ready to go. Hashem says to him, as we read in Divrei Yomim, that you can't do it because you killed people, even though you had to, right? But you can't, it has to be a house of, of peace, a house, hands without blood. And Shmuel Anovi also, he calls it Shmuel Haraya, right? Shmuel the seer, that's the word for a Novi, a prophet. This is again in Divrei Yomim, that they, how they prepared everything. So then Shmuel himself went and built it, but it was already fully prepared in advance, prepared with Shmuel Anovi, one of the greatest of the, of the Nevi'im, of the prophets who ever lived. So that's how they built the plans for the Beis HaMikdash, to map the spiritual worlds. For Am Ruzal and Chazal, the rabbis say, it's a perak in, in Zvachim, my dechsev, what does it mean? And he quotes the whole pasuk, how, how Shmuel they went and, and all the stuff. They go to a place called Noyos, which is in Rama. These are places, right, north of Yerushalayim. They were, Rama also means heights. So yes, there's a physical place where they were having a meeting called Rama, but they went there to symbolize that they were going to go to the real Rama. They were sitting in a place called Rama, which means heights, a physical height, but they went there to climb a spiritual height. The Rambam has this principle. When Hashem says climb a mountain, so you physically climb a mountain, but you're also climbing the mountain. So they were doing the same thing. They would go to a place called heights because they knew they had to get into a high state of, of getting into the heights. And they got to Noyoy Shalom, the vision of the whole world. That's the name of the other place they're in. Say, so, ah, oh, how are you? So we, um, yeah, you want to show, show where we're up to? Opirish Rashi. So Rashi explains him, so to find the source and structure of the temple of the Beis HaMikdash inside the Torah itself. Right, that's what he writes in Tanchumashukal Negadbriasa Oilam. The Madrash also says the base of Mikdash is connected, is like the whole creation. So it's like the inner structures of the world, the outer structures of the world, everything is mapped into this building. When the Mishkan, which is a smaller structure than the base of Mikdash, has a lot less detail to it, or different type of detail. So when it's built, but Salad is the main artisan who's in charge of the building. And the Pasuk says that, says that Hashem will, says, I will fill him with the Ruach, with the spirit of God, the divine spirit of Chochmah, Tfuna, and Das. Wisdom, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Why those three? Because these are precisely the things that Nivra Oilamas, the attributes that God used 
to create the world. How do we know? Because it says in Mishnah, in Proverbs, Hashem b'chochmo with wisdom, Yosadar, it's founded the earth. Koinin shomayim b'svuna, the heavens with tvuna, with understanding. And b'dat is haimus nikvo, and use knowledge to do the lower realms. So the same three terms, chochmo, bina, das, right? Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Again, that's the human versions of it. But whatever these are, in the roots of creation, Hashem uses them to create the world. And then Hashem fills those same three attributes into the mind of Betzalel to build the Mishkan. So you see the same, what, what it is that you need to build creation, you need to build the little temple, the little house of Hashem. And again, it's the same principle, that it's a microcosm of all of physical universe, spiritual universes, everything that exists everywhere is contained in it. So you see, you begin to sense the power of, you know, we can only go nowadays just to the coastal, we can... But what it means to be standing there in that place where when there'll be another building there, you'll have all the spiritual power, all the inner worlds, outer worlds, it's all to be contained there. Eventually, eventually, we can go even higher than that. But in the meantime, there's one place on earth where you could touch the holiness of everything in the whole of creation. So, I and Zoya, then he quotes a whole bunch of Zoyahars and places where you could see it. And how that's why the Gemara says, to fix together the letters that create heaven and earth. And this is another deep principle that um, just like in physics, you have a few quarks and leptons, tiny amount, and you put them together in different combinations and you get all of the universe. So too, in the spiritual roots of reality, you have a very small number of things, which include the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And they are roots as you put them together, Combinations and combinations and combinations come out in the whole, it's like the programming language of creation out of a few of these little things. And that's one of the reasons why it's always machlekas in, in the halachas and the laws of davening. If you don't, if you, you're not supposed to daven in a language you don't understand, except if it's Hebrew. Because if you speak English, but not French, or you speak French, but not English, and you say the word book, and it doesn't have a meaning in French, it's not that you said something in English, it's that you said nothing at all. It's just a random sound that you don't associate with anything. And therefore, it doesn't mean anything. The fact that somebody else would use that sound to associate it with something has nothing to do. You have no relationship with the word, you said nothing. But in Hebrew, it's not the case. Because you actually uttered the inner structure of the outer reality. And therefore, you said something. So yes, you're right. There are parts of davening where you least have to have a basic sense of what you're saying. Say Shema, the first brach of the Shemayin Esrei. The very minimum you have to be where you're standing before God. And of course, the ideal is to have both Hebrew and intention, right? So yes, a person should definitely strive for both. But I'm saying even in a scenario a person doesn't know, they still are accomplishing something by saying in Hebrew, as long as they understand they're trying to connect to Hashem. Now, we're not saying that's how you should daven, yeah. right? But the point is that how could it even possibly be the case? Because the words themselves intrinsically mean things. And therefore, so B'tzalel knew how to put together the letters and create, and that was the skill you needed to build a Mishkan. Because what you need when you're building a Mishkan is exactly the same thing you need to build the universe. That's the power of what's going on over there. So now realize what it means when you daven, well, let's see, Rachein, therefore, Ha'odom, somebody who is who has all of this in them. Now, the human being in general 
has a physical structure that mirrors the inner spiritual dynamics and a spiritual potential that does that. And when we add to that, that we, the Jewish people have taken on the Torah and mitzvahs that are also the map of how to translate all of that, you put all that together, and now what you've got is you've got this dogma tablet, the structure of the Mishkan and Mikdash, the whole thing, So first of all, you've a physical body that is a mirror and map of all of this. You've got v'chein mechalik b'zayi k'al tavlis ha'mishkan, and there the Zohar Kodesh goes through and shows how everything in the Mishkan parallels the not only parallels the inner spiritual dynamics, but the also the structure of the human being. By the way, you can see yourself if you go through, and we'll see. Um, we will see. He will quote. Not right here, but it'll quote a very famous madrash that when it comes to the building of the Mishkan, it says v'asuli mikdash. We'll see this soon. They shall make for me a holy place. That I will dwell in them. It doesn't say in it, singular. There's only one Mishkan. They shall make for me a Mishkan, a dwelling place, singular, so that I may dwell not in it, but And the Medrash explains, because the real dwelling place of Hashem can only be in the Mishkan if it's also in the people. This is really the point they want to bring out here. So that's what's going to be. And so the whole fundamental point of, oh, he says, it is this paragraph. In my head, it was this paragraph, and I was just looking at it, I couldn't see, and it is coming up right now. The fundamental aspect of the, all that's holy in the Mikdash, in, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash, the presence of God there. Who are Adam, the most, the real nexus place for the dwelling of the human being, the dwelling of, of, of Hashem's presence is the human being. If a person sanctifies himself properly, in keeping all the mitzvahs, where they themselves plug into the highest roots. So we put on tefillin, boom, we just lit something up in the inner world. Put tzitzes on, we gave stocker to charity day, we came to learn Torah. We did. These things are like just lighting up the universes. Um, that's literally, they are, they are lighting these, they're that all these things have their roots in the inner structure of the whole world. And that's what the, it says in Truman, here we go, where he says, and, and literally, you literally become a temple. We, even an individual person, can literally become a house of Hashem's presence. How to do that? By the mitzvahs that we do. But that's what we do. We think mitzvahs are these nice things, you get some rewards in the next world. You're literally plugging in, wiring in to the entire flow of God's revelation into the world. And it can flow all the way through the person. So when you see the super great people, the real gadolim, they're like angels. They're like, they're like beyond human. Because they are to a large degree. This, the level of flow of Hashem's revelation is moving in through the person themselves. And it's not inaccessible to us. We may only get it partly or snippets or whatever, but it's happening to us in some level all the time too. Not at that level. You need to, you know. What does that mean to have Hashem flow through? Like, Hashem's presence. Hashem's not, not Hashem himself. Yeah, but I mean, like, how's it manifest in terms that we understand? Is it through more energy or looking at things through holy events? Or what, what does that mean? It's a great question. And to some degree, some of the remaining chapters, especially towards a little bit later on, it's going to get chapters 12, 13, 14. These places will go in much more detail as to what it actually practically means, how different parts of the soul get transformed by it and so on. But on, on one level, when we're very in touch with all this stuff, 
Um, it can impact the way we think. When we're deeply, deeply, deeply in a world of recognizing there's nothing but Hashem on an ultimate level, then it can impact us also psychologically, right? On the psychological level, it can be a place of calm, like the Chavis of Abbas describes when you have complete trust in Hashem, which we've spoken about in earlier sections. It changes your psyche, it changes the stress, it changes everything, but it also opens us up to almost on a spiritually inspired level have the, the soul more active inside us. So our desire to do good goes up. It's like when you get into a negative rut, you don't want to do good. When you get into a positive rut, and there's also subconscious and spiritual forces actually operating on the person. And that will lift us even more. So it, become, it can become a virtuous cycle of very, very strong growth. That's how we might experience it. But also when we talk to people, there'll be a voice of wisdom that's much stronger. There'll be... These won't necessarily be things we're always conscious of happening, but they're going to be happening. It's almost like plugging, you know, we talk about that algorithm that's within the, kind of like, in the background. Yeah. It's just like plugging into the algorithm where it runs through you. And it's a like, very, the way the Nefesh Chaim describes the relationship between the worlds and us, it's a very good way of thinking about it. Now, you have to know, every analogy is flawed somewhere. Um, so here, one of the biggest problems is the system is just God's will, right? God's will is that it's a radical insistence, but he's, nothing is intrinsically, it's not like you could do a trick and say, oh, I know Hashem wants me to do this, but if I do this, I'll plug in somewhere and pull energy down. That's exactly wrong. So that's the only way the analogy is flawed, but in principle, the way setting up here is very much in line with the right parts of that analogy. Is that like an aim that we should be striving for to get to that state where we're sort of like free-flowing what God yeah, you know, not for its own sake, but because Hashem himself wants us to be there. Because that's the state of, re- of living a life that's in a relationship with God. Living a life that's an agent for Hashem in this world. Living a life that's bringing Hashem's light everywhere in the world. And in all probability, if and when we please God get to those sorts of levels, we'll do tremendous good in the world. So it's an iterative process. We're doing good and then that lifts us into that state. The Rambam describes free will as lasos tov, to do good, velichios tzaddik, and become a tzaddik. The converse of that is you can do bad and be, not just do bad, but become bad. Right? It's not you're in a stasis state where you're always good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. No, you actually change who we are. And that's a natural process and a supernatural process and all of these sorts of things. And that's what he says. This is what I was saying earlier. I shall dwell in them. It doesn't say in it. In them. And this is what the Gemara says. This is Gemara, the first time you learn this Gemara is like a shocking Gemara. The Gemara at the beginning of Ksuvas, it says, The actions of a tzaddik are greater than the creation of heaven and earth. At first time I read that Gemara, you think, what, what, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, come on, the actions of a tzaddik inside heaven and earth. <laughs> it's like one little piece of heaven and earth. What do you mean greater than the acts of heaven and earth? And we prove it, the Gemara proves it. It says, Ksiv afyadi yasoda Hashem says, quoting, it's in the Navi and the Prophet Yeshayahu, that my hand singular founded the physical universe and my right hand the heavens. When it comes to actions of tzaddikim, it says, the sanctuary of God, which is built by the tzaddikim, your hands, plural, prepared. Right? So, um, they're beginning proof is talking about the actions of tzaddikim, but it ends up with God's mikdash. 
So how's that a proof? Maybe we should say Hashem's creation of a mikdash is greater than that. Well, you know, so what's the what's the two? So we say there's two hands used to build a mikdash, but only one hand used to build to found earth or whatever. Pastor, so what's he say? Tzadikim through their actions are the mikdash. By the way, when we sung those words, crossing the splitting of the sea, there was no didn't have to necessarily be a physical. There had to be a place for God in the world, but the assumption of that moment could have been it was just going to be us. Later, we needed it to actually be centralized in a place. So as God dwells in us, the presence becomes manifest over there. But listen to the power of that. The proof that the work of tzaddikim is greater than the work of creation, because of course, what are the two hands? The hand of God to build the potential, but the tzaddik turns the potential light of God in this world into actual. God builds an incomplete world and we bring it to perfection. So of course, God is more powerful than anything in creation, obviously, he could do what a tzaddik does, but he wants us to be the vehicle that completes creation. But when you're completing creation, bringing that light down into a part of the darkness, that is called the mikdash, the mishkan, the place of holiness, the home of God. So that is, that is, it's such powerful things, these such beautiful things. And that's why then you can prove if the building of the mikdash is two-handed process, then that means the actions of the tzaddikim is a two-handed process, which is the second hand of bringing the light of Hashem all the way down to the world where God himself did not put it into, held it back from. Max, you're looking potentially confused. <laughs> just, it's actually, when you learn this, your face, you can't judge my own faces, we're all over the place. It's just such amazing. <laughs> so yeah, you can, yeah. With the tzaddikim, there yeah. was mistakes made along the way yeah. To make them the tzaddik that they are now. But, yeah, that's the famous passage. Sheva Yipala becomes seven times the tzaddik falls and gets up. So normally you'd say it means a tzaddik, even if they fall seven times, will keep picking themselves up. I think it's the Baal Shem Tov who says, no, no, no. What makes a person a tzaddik is they went through seven fallings and got up each time. And why the number seven? Because of the seven midas and attributes and stuff. But yeah. So tzaddik, and by the way, even a tzaddik who's achieved this level can still make mistakes. Right, it's not, we never become infallible. But we're float, so even if you're flowing with an enormous amount of a channel for an enormous amount of, of Hashem's revelation in the world and light in the world, it's still possible to make mistakes. We're not beyond, we're not that, beyond us. And this can explain the make me a temple. The Medrash says, the beautiful Medrash, Vasuli mikdash, they shall make for me a, a mikdash, which becomes a mitzvah. So it says in that, ani the Pasuk says, like all that I show you, tasu, and so they shall do. So Hashem's saying, make me a, a, a mishkan, a house of my presence. Like all the things I show you, so they shall do. What are those redundant, so they shall do words? There the Gemara says, it means, tasu so you shall do in future generations. What, according to the way we're now learning, we could reveal another part of the fasta to Torah. There's many, one dimension, if it ever breaks, they should rebuild it. Or anything that needs repairing, they should do in every generation. But now we can add a deeper level. Don't think now that you've got a building, you've done that job or fulfilled that mitzvah. Because that's never my goal. Yes, the building may house the most intense aspect of my revelation and presence until we're ready to transcend it. 
But the real goal that I have, says Hashem, in this building, the Mishkan, and all the vessels in it, is only to hint to you, that through it you shall see, and you should do, so you shall make, means so you shall make yourselves. Just like you're making a Mishkan now here as a physical building, in every generation make the Mishkan because the real energy power of the Mishkan is you being a conduit for God's light. That's the real source of the presence of Hashem in the Mishkan. The Chain Tasu, so you shall make yourselves in every generation. Now, of course, once you've seen that the real house is, is the real house of Hashem is the human, then you reread all the sections where it comes to building the Mishkan, and you suddenly realize, one sec, did he mention rib cages? Slice or same, well, it means sides, but we also use it for the ribcage. That creates the confusion when Adam is divided into two sides and we use the translation, some translate the ribcage, but it does use those words. Skin, it goes skin, right? It's like it's using literally body part language because it's a metaphor for the human body, which is a metaphor for the human soul, which is a, a model of the inner workings of all of creation that are all interrelated. And every generation, we are building the Mishnah. And so it's like we were saying, we're building the Beis HaMikdash by our actions, but we're building the Beis HaMikdash because to the extent to which nationally, first as a Jewish people, ultimately all mankind, and in the meantime, also every individual can be an actual house of Hashem. Now there's a limit to how much any individual can fully do it. It has to be done collectively ultimately, but to whatever extent we're doing, it's like we're literally, that's what it means to build bricks in the, in the ultimate structure of what will be, yeah. You said that about kind of, as a Jewish collective and then sort of mankind. Yeah. Is there a non-Jewish collective? There is a human collective of all of humanity. It's called Adam. Right. Right? And that word Adam is used ambiguously. There's different words for human. There's Enosh, there is Gever, there is, um, there's a few words, four words altogether. All of them refer to Jews and non-Jews. And three out of the four take plural and always when they use, they refer to Jews and non-Jews. The word Adam is very interesting because it ultimately means Adam in the Garden of Eden. And it's only a singular word. It can never be plural. And therefore you've got one Gemara that based on the Pasuk in Yechezkel says, Atem Kriyim Adam. Yisrael right now is Adam. Meaning we are living the constitution of the future. That's who we are. And there's another Gemara which says, a non-Jew who works in Torah can be like the greatest Kohen Gadol, also using the word Adam. What's all that mean? It means the ultimate destiny of humanity is to rebuild the oneness of Adam. We're going to get there in later chapters here in Nefesh Right now, the Jewish people have taken on themselves to try to live that to the maximum right now. We're kind of living as part of Adam. And, and we will become this thing called Yisrael, which is another name of Adam, as a, a structure that will achieve the first dimension of perfection and then be able to bring the whole rest of humanity along with. They're also playing roles, right? Non-Jews who keep the seven Nachai laws can have a portion of the world to come already now. So, but, and they're building, if you like, the world as a vessel to receive the light. Our job is to bring that light in. Eventually, that will all become part of this one thing. And eventually, 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 the separate identity of nations will disappear and it becomes one gigantic structure that will either have the name Israel or Adam or both of them. That's what it means. But, so right now, the primary responsibility for doing this rests with us. This will, we've got to take, and, and that, by the way, is something very deep. When we see problems in the world, although we don't want to blame ourselves, we still have to feel a responsibility for turning the world into the place that house God's glory. That's why, even though anti-Semitism always involves unfair criticism of Jews and absurd levels of criticism and ridiculous stuff, 
Nevertheless, whilst we, we have to very strongly fight against it, we also have to absorb that on a level they're not aware of, there is a truth to the fact that the world shouldn't be this mess. And you know, behind all their conspiracy theories that Jews are actively driving the world, there's a subconscious level at which they might be even generating this into their conscious mind and then warping it. But there's a subconscious level at which we do have a responsibility for the whole world, right? And, and that is essentially what he's trying to tell us over here. Yes, we're not the only ones, but we have, if you like, the primary one to bring that house of God into the world right now, that we have to feel the full responsibility for that. How does not having basement now affect us building our inner... Inner is an excellent question. So if we fully built our inner basement our inner house of God right now, then there would be an outer one already. So... And having an outer one allows, it makes it, you know, it's an iterative process. Once you've got it there, it makes it a bit easier and, and so on. And it iterates upwards. So we can do as individuals to uh, some degree, but the project was never an individual project. The people having private base amygdashes, it was always a national project. And that's why when we daven, we always, we try to daven as a community. We daven in the plural, at least the sitter. We could talk to Hashem individually whenever you want to, in whatever language you want. But the, the work of taking the sitter and davening is always about Yisrael. Sometimes, like on Rosh Hashanah, we daven for the whole of humanity. Sometimes we do that too. But as a general thing, it's, we're trying to be mouthpieces, not for ourselves as an individual, but for the entire thing called Yisrael. So on Rosh Hashanah, we'll do it for the whole world, right, as well. But generally, v'rofei chayle amma Yisrael, right? We're talking about, you know, not, don't just heal somebody ill. I know, heal the whole of Yisrael. And, you know, bring the whole of Yisrael to this, and the whole to that. Again, there are certain brachas that refer wide in the Israel, but for the most part, we are. So the level of organization, the multiple levels of possible consciousness, we're trying to, that's the one we're plugging into when we're doing the davening. Yeah. If, if we are the houses of Hashem, then are we supposed to bring the world to completion? What is the need for the physical house of Hashem? Oh, great question because we are separated individuals. On some level, we're all connected as one, and on some level, we operate individuated. The house of Hashem exists when, if you like, the collective soul, first, again, Yisrael and ultimately humanity. There is already an aspect in which the base of serves both purposes, because we say, Ki beisi beisi the Pasuk says that my house, says God, will be house for all the nations of the world. And Shlomo Melech King Solomon specifically davens, this shouldn't just be a place um, where we Jewish people can come and serve Hashem, where all of humanity can. But ultimately, that second phase will come later, where it, in a deeper way. In the first phase, it, it's, it's us who are supposed to be there. So, but at whichever phase we're at, it's the, the real house of Hashem is the oneness point. And since we're not physically jammed into one body, this becomes like the body of us collectively, which is why everybody had to contribute something into it. Right. So that there's a, we, it's all of us as one. Like ultimately we would like our whole mind, us to create a super conscious state where we all, whilst we have an individual consciousness in the world to come in Olam Abba, there'll also be a collective consciousness that we'll also plug into a super conscious state that will eventually resurrect the whole of Adam, which is the whole of humanity in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden will be a state of mind, right? And that will be, that will be something that we'll eventually be able to plug into and connect to. It's, it's interesting because um, in like previous conversations, they, like there are some people that say that um, like there's two ways that we can bring back the Mashiach, either through us being the complete you know, unity and um, being our purest, best selves. But then on the other hand, it's like a, there is an opinion that we could be at our very lowest, that we need to be saved in order to then 
Mashiach to come and intervene and us, you know, get the back. Absolutely. The Gemara says it's either come through this or through either because we're at the top yeah. or the bottom. It's true. But both pathways have something in common. They both have Teshuvah process by us. One, we generate it completely autonomously within ourselves. The other is we're pressed into a corner where you have all these frightening prophecies, frightening nevuas of what could be and gogamog, the whole terrible stuff. But the goal of that process is to crush us to the point where there awakens within us a latent inner yearning for Hashem, just like happened in Egypt. And that jolts, it may be individuals are lost in that process, but something collectively rises up. So Hashem says that no matter what happens, every pathway will lead there. There's a more painful possible pathway if you don't make it of your own merit beforehand, but it will come through your merit. Just I can force you to realize to bring out the deep parts of yourself or you can bring out those deep parts yourself. Okay, so let's try just to, to finish this and then next time we're ready to start the fifth chapter. Okay, the most, I think most weeks we should hopefully be able to pull off one chapter, but it's worth taking time on this. The, the prince, when he, he diverts with a footnote, it's worth knowing. It's just the, the linear flow of the primary messages of the text don't need it, but it paints such a powerful picture. It adds so much that that's why he puts them here. Right? It's like these could just become foreign by themselves. Like they could be books of their own. These, these are just beautiful. Um, okay, so. And the Chayin Amahu Yisbarach Shemoy. Is this where up to? I think. Yeah, yeah. Tachas Gavra says the goal of everything is Shekin Tazat Machavi Shudiyah. So the Chayin Amahu Yisbarach Shemoy Shemoy. Hashem himself said to Shlomo Melech. Ach Gemar Binyan Mikdash. In Melochim Aleph. After, after, in, uh, after, after Shlomo Melech spilled the base of Mikdash. Hashem says to him, the, this house you've now built, and he carries on, he says, it's only if you go in my ways, and then the conclusion is, I will dwell amongst my people Israel. Now, of course, one level is, I'll dwell here, which is amongst my people Israel. But what he's really saying, he says, Daika, listen, I'm dwelling in the people. Again, the Mesamikra becomes a place where we can share the consciousness, where we can have it collective together. That's what it is. But the, that, that's true. But it says physical sink, single place might be right over here, but it is the, a living consciousness of, of Israel. And again, as we saw earlier, ultimately it will be even beyond that too. So when the Jewish people messed up their inner place of God, that's why then the physical outer manifestation can't be there. It is literally powered by the collective oneness and collective spirituality, collective godliness of us. And if we wreck that and damage that, it can't stay. Now it invites any evil in the world to come and destroy it. It wrecks its very foundations. The merciful one should save us. This is exactly what Hashem said to the prophet, to the Nabi Yechezkel. Hage this base Israel, tell the house of Israel. It's a bias, the house we, be kolmu ma'avon Right, it's going to be, what's going to happen with that, because their sins. V'imlichlum u'kala she'a osu tzuras ha'bayis, t'chunas mo'etzav, m'voyav, v'chol tzuresov, v'chol kukosov, v'chol tzuresov, v'chol tzuresov, hoida oisam, chsoiv le'neim, let them know all the stuff. Yishm is called tzuresov, it's called chukosov v'osu oisam. They have to keep, this is when they have the vision of, uh, of, um, they stop their sins. And if they do, then the whole surah, the whole vision of the house that he was shown, all its details, everything, its, its entry, its structures, its laws, it's everything about it. That's what they'll be able to build. In other words, but you have to stop doing that virus to do that.
then that's it. So that's what we wanted to do today and see this incredible, incredibly beautiful. Um, it's absolutely amazing because, again, you can be sitting in your room somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you choose to dab in that moment. Or you choose to reach, or you see somebody suffering somewhere, you go and choose to do something. At that moment, there's something flickering into the world that will eventually become this house of God. Now, Shem's dwelling, even though I can't dwell fully in the base of Mikdash, but to whatever extent he can dwell and enter into this world is through us. And that's, uh, that's the shocking, but beautiful. Yeah. I said, now we're ready to move on next time, Hashem, where he's going to ask the question, he's going to open, what was it that made Hashem want to do this? Put all this power into, into upper, low worlds, right down here into this world, into the human mind, into the human being. What was going on with all this? But we will see. And from here, we'll start to open up many, many, many more dimensions to all this.